Good morning and welcome. Happy Monday, Patriot Radio News Hour. Can you use those two words together, happy and Monday? I'll do it. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group, legal, lawful, constitutional tender. You better get yourself some while you still can. 800-951-0592 is our toll-free number. The website at allamericangold.com. Make it part of your daily routine out there. Uh, I hope all of you had a fantastic Mother's Day. Uh, As most of you know, my wife and I, we're competitive. We are in our two boys, and we like to do fun stuff and compete. And, you know, we've done, we've thrown axes, we've thrown knives, we, we've uh, just about anything, you know, bowling, putt-putt, miniature golf, you name it, we want to compete in it. Uh, yesterday for Mother's Day, we took Mom to brunch. You know, we didn't want her to to cook in, well, let's face it, us cooking for her is probably not the greatest idea. And we we had brunch, and then we went to the shooting range. And uh, we had a big contest uh, like we like like to do, and and we had uh, a pistol and a rifle. So we did two different competitions. The the rifle was at 75 yards, uh, and the pistol was at 30. And and that was, and we had our targets and did all that stuff. Let's just say that mom won. I'm not saying that the competition was rigged. I'm not saying that. I'd like for that to have been the reason, right, that we let her win on purpose. Uh, we did not. Uh, she's actually a very good shot. Uh, I was last. I'll admit it. I'm, I... I struggled yesterday with my my accuracy, and, and then uh, the two boys and mom were all pretty close. I was very consistent, though. I will say that I was missing the the bullseye, if you will. But my my grouping was far superior to that of the rest of the family. So I'm going to blame it on the equipment, right? The sights weren't right, and that was the reason. Or I'm just a really bad shot. Either one of those two things, but uh, we did that yesterday, and it was a super lot of fun. And my wife was like, I'm going to try to get – she's got this group of of mothers that she really likes. So we got two sons. Or, as most of you know, my oldest son graduates Thursday from high school, and, and it's going to be a tough day. I'm going to admit that. For a long time now, I've been ready for him to get out, right? He's got to go to college, play football. And right now, I'm kind of in that, uh uh-oh, I think I'm going to be a little sad. And it's just going to be me and Sarah and then our youngest, who my wife's got a group of friends there. They're going to try to do a ladies' night at the gun range. She is now, uh, well, she shoots it so well, she wants to show off. So anyway, uh, Wendy is... Look, looking for something as well. So maybe one of our customers, she needs some work done at her house, and, and we figured let's put it out there to our customers, see if one of our customers does it. Go. Hi. Am I on Hi. There? You're on. Okay. You're live. Hi. Yay. 
No one says yay, it's Monday. Yay. Well, because tomorrow's my Friday. So anyway, um, so uh, my husband and I are in North Scottsdale. We are looking for someone who refinishes wood floors. Not a very big job. It's our kitchen. But we have five dogs. So the traffic pattern is really, really bad. So if you know of someone, if you do it yourself, you're in the Phoenix area, obviously, please call me at work. And the number is 800-951-0592. I would appreciate it. There you go. That's it. There you go. I want, I want to so if you know somebody or if you refinish wood floors, it's not a big job. No, not a big job. But but uh, high traffic area. Right. And, and I would like to you know, give the work to... Um, right. Instead of giving it to somebody else, give it to uh, people, like-minded individuals. That's, That's something true. that we love to do here at Patriot. That's true. So if you have that, if you can do that, uh, give us a call here, 800-951-0592. I uh, got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, it is going to. We are going to hear a lot of central bankers, and they're going to be talking in the media, or they're going to be talking at some form of conference. We're going to bring them all to you. We already had two today. Uh, one, Loretta Metzer, who I believe is the Cleveland Federal Reserve president, and then the St. Louis Federal Reserve president, James Bullard, who uh, one of them was talking about the national debt. One of them was talking about cryptocurrencies. And then probably my favorite one wasn't actually a particular Fed governor, but it was the Chicago Federal Reserve weighing in on what Illinois is needs to do to fix their pension problem. It wasn't a bailout. Oh, no. Let's just say this. Will the last person in Illinois turn off the lights this is coming, but you know what? Here's the problem. You move from Illinois, you move somewhere else, and then that state's going to have the same problem. But I will tell you, this was the Chicago Federal Reserve, because apparently Illinois can't figure it out. They said, hey, here's what you're going to have to do to, to get this back in order. We'll tell you all about it next. Pager Radio News Hour. Don't touch that dot. 800-951-0592 is our toll-free number. Man, I, so here's what I'll do. Here's the order we'll go in. First, we'll, we'll start at the national debt. Then we'll, we'll transition into uh, the state of Illinois. Uh, and then from there, we're going to, t- to warn you now, a, this is not a state pension, but this is a, a big group of pensioners uh, that their fund's ready to go insolvent. Remember, uh, the Teamsters pensions, I want to say the East Coast, they just went under uh, and, and talk about those. Then we'll head uh, to the St. Louis Fed and the cryptos and all of that. And here's the thing that I want to tell you before we get into what they had to say. Why did the Federal Reserve bring rates to zero? What did they want to accomplish? Of course, I'll tell you, we are trying to stimulate the economy, right? That's always what they're trying to do. 
But in reality, what they want to and what they mean by stimulate to stimulate is they wanted people to go into debt. They wanted people to borrow money. Not just people, though. No, no, no. They wanted businesses to borrow money. They wanted local governments to borrow money, state governments to borrow money, and conversely, obviously, the Federal Reserve to borrow money. That's how they really, you know, let's face it, the expansion of debt is what they really are all about. And so I find it humorous when one of them comes out on the idiot box and tries to tell us that we need to start getting worried about debt. So this was uh, Cleveland Federal Reserve President uh, Loretta Metzer. She was on CNBC, and they were starting to talk about debt to GDP. Now remember, all of my adult life, the Federal Reserve has stuck to the the mantra that as long as debt to GDP stays below 3%, it can be any number. Doesn't matter. As long as it's less than 3% of GDP, we're going to be fine. Right? It's kind of like the same thing when they talk about 2% inflation. Okay, remember, that's a starting point. And as soon as 2% is not enough, it'll go to 4. And when 4 is not enough, it'll go to 6. Same thing with the debt-to-GDP number. We're already above five. <laughs> and apparently, they're not, well, they're getting, you know, they're now starting to get a little worried. Let me just uh, tell you what she said. The, the United States should get its debt-to-GDP in order before things get out of hand. Well, I, I don't know what is out of hand. I mean, we're at five, and here's what we know. Over the next ten years, it's never going to get better. It's only going to get worse. So I, well, my first question would have been, well, wow, th thanks for that uh, great observation. What would you define as out of hand? Of course, I didn't get to ask that question. Uh, but she, she did get asked if she was worried about the outlook for rising U.S. debt. As if to pretend that the debt hasn't skyrocketed already. No, we're worried about the outlook now, right? We're, we're, you know, what's done is done. Let's talk about, are you worried about it, Loretta? Are you concerned? She was measured, right, like a true... Uh, central banker who does not want to accept blame. And of course, you know, I don't want to scare anybody. Heaven forbid people actually knew the truth. They ain't do something. Now, after I retire, I'm pretty sure she'll write a book and she'll say how she warned everybody. She did encourage monitoring of the debt level. We do that. It's called the debt ceiling. Matter of fact, people want to do away with it because what's the point? We monitor it every day. We've got a national debt clock. It tells you what it is all day long, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I think we got the monitoring part down, Loretta. The part that we don't have down 
is the part where we actually spend less than what we take in. Now, that part we don't have. And, and as a matter of fact, the only thing that's really happened is the size of the debt continues to skyrocket. It's getting worse and significantly worse. And she's talking about monitoring it. I think we have to be taking into the account the health of the U.S. economy. All right? Well, let's see. Uh, according to you guys, <laughs> right, the economy's great. Of course, we're going to have a... I would say that the, as far as I know, this year, next year, the year, they're going to be record debt levels of all time, right, without a war or a recession. And even then, we're getting ready to take that out because Obama has the record, I think, of $1.2 trillion, maybe $1.4. I don't know what the exact final number is. But we're going to be real close. And he had a recession and a war at the time. Remember, that was the reason why. In terms of are we on a sustained fiscal path? And I do think that's something we should be thinking of now as we go forward and not waiting to th until things get too far out of hand. So are you saying we're not on a fiscal path? I would, I would of course, that would have been my next question. <laughs> and what would we have to do to get on it? Again, unfortunately, those questions aren't being asked. How can that question not be asked? Could you explain to us what you think a sustainable path is? Nope, don't ask that. <laughs> How do we get out of the path? Don't, ever ask, don't ask that. Here's what she went on to say, that she says that by 2047, and see, they love to do this, don't they? I don't want to talk about right now. I don't even want to talk about the next five years or ten years. Let me throw out a number that most Americans will be like, 2047, I'm worried about tomorrow or next week. I don't have time to think about 2047. But what she said, when you really put it into perspective, is pretty shocking. First of all, the Federal Reserve likes to use the smaller number when it comes to the debt, right? We know the national debt is $21 plus trillion. Everybody knows it. The Federal Reserve only wants to admit to about 16, you know, a little over 16 trillion of it. The other 5 trillion, most of it is in student loan debt and Fannie and Freddie. Now, here's the problem. Student loans, nobody's paid. 50% <laughs> of people right now, and the numbers vary. Some say it's up to already 60% of people that are supposed to be paying are not right now. Now, the government only says that, you know, about half of those people are in real default, and the other half, they're giving, we're giving them a waiver for right now. And then Fannie and Freddie... Remember all the when we had to bail them out? See, they turn over their profits every year. So the realities are, Fannie and Freddie, when the economy goes south, 
we're not we're not going to get reimbursed for that money. I mean, I would venture to say at best case, maybe half of it gets paid. The other half should already be counted. But nonetheless, I want to let you know why they get there. So here's what she said about the good number. The percentage, which right now they say is at 75 or 76% of GDP, will be 150% over the next 30 years. And and I'm going to tell you right now, just that alone, which, by the way, is not anywhere close to, if she's uh, living in fantasy land, that number will be true. But that would be 2.5% a year just on the uh, quote-unquote good number. And she says that it will put the United States on a fiscal trajectory that would... <laughs> make the U.S. economy very, very vulnerable and, and, and of course, what, start to suffer because of the uh, high levels of debt. Failure to address our long-term fiscal situation has increased the national debt to over $20 trillion and it's growing. Wow! What a profound statement. The the absolute uh what captain obvious, really? Wow, you're you're really getting into the teeth of this thing. The situation is unsustainable. And I think we all know and represent a dire threat to our economic and national security. And that was her big speech today. That was her words of wisdom. Was, hey, you know what? Maybe we need to, in in her words, uh, monitor the debt situation. And maybe we should be concerned (laughs) because it's getting really, really high. And in the next 30 years, if the good number is 150% of GDP, what's the bad number? What's the bad number going to be? 250%, 300%? And what is the GDP going to be in 30 years? $30 trillion, $40 trillion? Right? You start thinking about what we could have a national debt. And I already told you, in the next 10 years, national debt's going to be $40 trillion. And not because I want it to, not because I'm trying to scare you and come up with this outrageous number. That's probably too low. Right? And I I think back to when Eric said General Motors was going to go out of business. And I about lost my mind. Right on there, I didn't know he was going to say it, and he said it. And this is like 04, 05. I think it was 05 he said it. And the stock was like $42. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, we want to, we we, want to, uh, we don't want to be these guys that make these outrageous statements and and over exaggerate what the truth's gonna be and, and try to you know get the oh they're just trying to scare us moniker right. I always worried about that when I first started, and now I realize almost I, I don't want to say every time, but the vast majority of the time when I tell you something's gonna happen. It's actually worse than what I said. And I'm going to tell you right now, 
$40 trillion in 10 years. Do math with me. Okay, that's another $20 trillion. That means we'll average $2 trillion a year, which means in 10 years' time we'll be north of three, if we're lucky. And we've got a Federal Reserve president coming out on television and talking about monitoring. Think about it. They already know. She's got more data than I do. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that she's at least equally good at math as I am. Okay, let's see. She's way better at math than I am. Right, kind of like my wife and I shooting together, right? She shoots way better than I do. Probably because she takes a lot longer, takes her time and all that, but nonetheless, this is the problem. And yet people are trying to convince us that these people have the answer. They're liars at best. They're criminals at worst. Patriot Radio News Hour, halftime on a Monday. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Over the last year, we've talked often about the 50-year legacy of the monthly Phyllis Schlafly Report. Rarely, if ever, has a public figure addressed so many issues with such accuracy and far-reaching vision as Phyllis Schlafly did in her reports. Here at the Phyllis Schlafly Center, we're privileged to have her wealth of knowledge and collections of history in our archives. One particular section of the archives that receives much attention is her collection of speeches. Phyllis Schlafly was a prolific public speaker. She engaged in debates, panels, and speeches across an incredible range of topics from strategic defense to marriage to economics to trade policy. She participated in hundreds upon hundreds of speaking engagements during her 70 years in public life. She reveled in the discourse of ideas and her sharp wit and grasp of steadfast facts and a disarming smile always won over her audiences. In hindsight, we can easily say that she was largely, almost single-handedly, responsible for shutting down the Equal Rights Amendment, exposing the radical feminist movement, and even making the Republican Party the political party of pro-life in America. Often, there was one speech at the foundation of each of these movements. As we've looked back over her 50 years of Phyllis Schlafly reports these past months, we can see more clearly than ever that Phyllis's fingerprints truly are on so many parts of American culture and public policy. Shortly before her passing, Phyllis selected 12 of her favorite speeches given across her long career as a public figure. We've published these speeches now in a book. It's titled Phyllis Schlafly Speaks, Volume 1, Her Favorite Speeches. Between the covers are her 12 hand-selected favorite talks. We would like to give you a copy of this special book. Please contact us at phyllisschlafly.com or call us at 314-721-1213 to receive a copy of this book. Let us know that you're a listener of the Phyllis Schlafly Report on radio. Keep the timeless vision of Phyllis Schlafly in your home. Again, that's phyllisschlafly.com or 314 721 1213. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin. The book, Phyllis Schlafly Speaks, reflects Phyllis at her best. With powerful words that deliver truth, bring clarity to controversial issues, and inspire action. For your free copy of Phyllis Schlafly Speaks, for radio listeners only, look for the link at phyllisschlafly.com or call 314-721-1213. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. We're monitoring the situation. Rome's burning. Well, we're, we're not going to call the fire department. You know, we're, we're just going to watch it. The pension crisis continues. 93% of the biggest defined pension benefit plans are not fully funded. The vast majority of them on the brink of insolvency. Multi-employer pension plans is now forming, well, they're forming a line up in Congress. The taxpayer is getting ready to to take more big hits as more and more of these uh, publicly traded companies' pension plans file for bankruptcy. And remember, they don't even have to have them funded. They don't care. They announce all these great earnings and pretend like they don't have them, and and we allow it. And the reason why, because they know they're just going to file bankruptcy on them. Kick them out. They don't care. And there's nothing people can do about it. The executive director of Central State Pension Fund told the 400,000 members, that's, that's a lot of people. 400,000. Of the $15 billion fund that it will be insolvent by 2025, he called on members to press Congress for a bailout. The formation of a constitutional committee is the first step towards bailing out multi-employer pension plans such as, such as central state. See, this was where uh, all of these people that used to work for companies that were public companies, okay? So they were, uh, well, they, they were publicly traded companies. Let me say that they weren't uh, owned by the government. And they all got together and form bigger, you know, because that's how they figured, well, if we make it bigger, it'll be better. So they put all of these people from all of these different employers into one big plan in an effort to kind of save money, and so that's going to fix it, and it's not fixed. And now it's getting ready to go belly up. Central state, remember, it's got 400,000 members, $15 billion. And they can't even make it to 2025. Why? They're shelling out $2.8 billion in benefits and collecting only $700 million. <laughs> and this, listen, this is everywhere. You don't get it. You don't hear about it. You don't understand it. And they don't want you to know because the whole economy is burning in debt and the Federal Reserve is going to monitor it. The problem is 
that most companies that were participating in the fund have gone under or simply left the plan. And the return on the fund's investments aren't nearly enough to offset the difference. Of course, remember when these benefits got promised. It was the Wall Street Bank that did the promising. Right? They came out and they met with the leaders of these pension funds and told them, oh, no, you can do this because we're going to put you in this fund and that fund and you're going to get this return and that return. Be great. You got plenty of money. Right? Wouldn't it be great if those were the, the ones that made the promise had to, had to put in the, the money to make up the difference? Right? It'd be a whole lot different then, wouldn't it? But now, now just promise what you want, doesn't matter. And if it doesn't happen, it's not on you anyway. According to the employee benefits expert, 186 of the 200 biggest defined plans serving the S&P 500 are not fully funded. DuPont announced it will stop paying into its 13,000 employee pensions, while 70,000 UPS workers will not receive any increase in benefits after 2020. Yum Brands isn't even paying off some of its former employees or is paying off former employees with lump sums to get rid of them. GE is by far the worst off, by the way, GE. I don't know how much longer they have. Do they make it 10 years? I don't know. I think they're the last original Dow stock. And and I know their, their stock has been hemorrhaging. GE blames the company's management for robbing its pension to pay for mergers and acquisitions. GE's pension is now running at a $31 billion deficit. <laughs> $31 billion. Here's how bad it was. At least in the company reports, they had a $14 billion surplus in 2001. The pension crisis, which has left many workers who are retired or close to retirement, Uh, wondering what is going to happen. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. They're all going to get dumped on the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corp., right? It's all going to be added on to the debt. And here's the problem. The the benefit you were promised, I don't know. At best, if you're the luckiest, maybe you get 75%. The vast majority are probably going to receive about half. So think about that. You didn't you didn't have a retirement per se, because this is how these companies did it. Hey, we're not going to give you a raise, but we're going to allow, you know, you can collect your pay every year after your retirement. And you're like, oh, that seems like okay. I can live with that. You're going to take care of me. Now that the baby boomers are at retirement age, they're all heading for the exit. Then you think about the ones that are supposed to do the paying in. Look out for student debt in the U.S. economy. It's going to create a lot of problems ahead. 
and taxpayers, you could be on the hook. What are we not on the hook for? We're on the hook for the pensions, right? We're on the hook for Fannie and Freddie. We're on the hook now for the student loans. The Federal Reserve just announced that student loan debt skyrocketed to $1.52 trillion. And that is nothing good. And, does, and, and don't think for a minute that it's going to get any better. In the first quarter of 2008, Student loan debt stood at about $600 billion. Now $1.5 trillion. So it's risen essentially almost $100 billion a year. The problem is the people actually paying them has gone down dramatically. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. Taking a page out of the Federal Reserve's playbook. I'm monitoring all this debt. Here's the problem. It all looks the same. Skyrocketing. Federal government debt. State debt. City debt. Credit card debt. Student loan debt. By the way, student loan defaults of 50% in the last 13 years. The average balance 13 years ago was $17,000. When someone graduated from college, that was the average. And you know a lot of people don't graduate. They take out a loan, don't do it to all the ones that, you know, go all the way through and take out these huge loans. The average was seventeen grand. Today, thirty-seven. About in 10 more years, what's that number going to be? 75? 100? See what I'm talking about, right? We're monitoring. When are we going to do something? How did it get this way? Right? And remember what I said about the teachers and the walkouts and all. They walked to the wrong place because they don't want to understand. How about this one? So we've talked about federal debt, right? We've talked about some personal debt. How about some state debt? This was, uh, Mark Glennon wrote this. A gasp went out in the breakout room I was in last month at the pension event co-sponsored by the Civic Federation and the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago. Okay, so this was an Illinois, state of Illinois event. That's when a speaker from the Chicago Federal Reserve proposed leveling or levying an across-the-state special property assessment tax in addition to the current property tax. Eventually, the Chicago Federal Reserve published the formal proposal. So a month ago, they said it. Last week, they actually issued the formal proposal for what it would look like. In a state that already ranks first in property tax, here's what the Chicago Federal Reserve published. 
homeowners with a home worth $250,000 would pay an additional $2,500. $500,000 homes would pay an additional $5,000. And million-dollar homes would pay an additional 10000 For those of you, so I, I you know, you, you, you do some research. Right now, Illinois averages 2.67% in property tax as a state. A lot of places pay as much as 5%. But right now, at the low end, at the 267, the $250,000 home, you pay $6,675. Right? The Fed says, hey, we want to bump that up another 2500 and so on and so forth. At the, if this proposal came to fruition, a $250,000 home would pay over $9,000 in taxes if you lived in one of the cheaper areas. A $500,000 home would pay $18,000, and a million-dollar home would pay over $36,000. But what happened if you lived in Cook County? You left Chicago. Well, that's at 5%. $250,000 home would pay $15,000, $30,000 a year in property tax for a $500,000 home, $60,000. Or a Could you imagine your property tax bill came in? And a million-dollar home in Chicago ain't that nice. <laughs> Can you imagine your property tax bill, 60 grand? What would you do? You'd probably find, like, hey, we got to find a different state to go live in, which just makes the problem that much worse. And I'm wondering where all the monitoring is. Right, So if the Chicago Federal Reserve just came out last week and said, in Illinois, this needs to happen right now, why is the Patriot Radio News Hour the only place you're going to hear about it? Because it doesn't go along with what? doesn't go along with the message that, hey, don't worry, it's okay. If we don't talk about it, it's okay. Because we're monitoring it. We're keeping our eye out. What is going to happen to those millions and millions and millions of people? What's going to happen? Now, think about all these things are going broke at the same time. Right? Central state says we got to 2025. They don't. Right? They're, they're, that's wishful thinking. Because that $2.8 billion they're paying out next year, it's going to be $3 billion. Right, then three point four billion, right? They probably got maybe twenty twenty two, maybe. Right? Illinois. I don't even know how much they have, right? We're we're already seeing cities going under there. Then you think about the federal debt and social security and Medicare, right? And I'm telling you, right, twenty thirty two or whatever number they're using is fantasy land. All of these things in the next 10 years. This is why when I tell you 40 trillion, probably if we're lucky. I don't even know how to figure out what it's going to cost to bail out all this stuff. 
Take the radio news hour final segment on a Monday. Final segment, Pedro Radio News Hour, 800 uh, It's been Slim Pickens out there. Uh, Wendy was working the phones all morning. I was out uh, working the email all morning long. Uh, we do have, still have half-dollar rolls on the silver side of things. This best, best buy we have at $135 a roll. Uh, U.S. Silver Eagles, kind of, you know, we talked about this, right, the the backdate supply was was run out, and now we're going to be moving into current issue, and 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 you're just going to be paying those higher prices on Silver Eagles. So right now you got Silver Eagles at four hundred dollars. These half dollars uh, at one hundred and thirty-five dollars, you're saving, you know, about two dollars. Is it two dollars an ounce? No, about a dollar, about a little over a dollar an ounce less. And of course, that's what we're all about here: buying the, as much as you can for the least amount of money. So rolls of silver, half dollars at one hundred and thirty-five a roll. Then we have seven. This just and this is about two minutes old. Just got this email. We've got seventy-five mint state. Sixty-two $10 Liberties. So right now, a $10 Liberty is $710 for a raw one. A circulated $10 Lib at $710. You can buy a Mint State 62 right now at $720. So it's not quite, but for an extra 10 bucks, is it worth going all the way, you know, from circulated to XFEF, AUBU, Mint State 60, 61, 62, to go up, you know, seven grades for $10? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, so MS62, $10 Liberties, will be $720. And the note uh, that Doug put on there for me, this is the cheapest premium over spot for this particular coin in over 20 years. So you're going back to the 90s uh, to find a premium uh, this close to spot. 800-951-0592. Uh, Colorado, Phoenix already got their half dollars. Colorado, Jason is calling all of you today. The half dollars that we sold, they are actually in Colorado last week, but we didn't have the rolls. Uh, the rolls are there now, so Jason will be calling you to pick those up. Uh, then we've got it. This is the second round. These ones at one hundred and thirty-five dollars. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. So we got a couple of options for you. Uh, one uh, one on the gold side, one on the silver side. Uh, the Mint State sixty-two ten-dollar gold piece. I mean, when you're talking about the cheapest premiums in 20 years, that's a, you know, you talk about buying at the bottoms, there you go. There it is. Uh, they're 720 bucks today. And then, of course, the rolls of silver half dollars uh, at 135 uh, Gold and silver really not doing anything. Gold's down a buck, uh, 13 19 and change. Uh, silver's down about $0.06 cents right now, uh, $16.60. Uh, and the Dow's at the lowest of the day, uh, right? It's up 90, uh, but it's, it's really nothing. It's a nothing day today. A lot of...
Fed talk. We didn't get to the St. Louis Federal Reserve president today. We'll do him tomorrow. And what he was saying, I'm going to tie in cryptocurrencies and the Liberty Dollar and see what the difference is. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back tomorrow.